Joey B and Chrissy Jeter of the Echoing Green have joined us. Joey and Chrissy, thanks for connecting with The Antidote. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having us. And we not only have you two, but we have a mini member of the band. <laughs> a brand new member. <laughs> brand new member. Um, Chrissy, introduce your little member. We have Brody Jeter here. He's two months old. <laughs> newest band member. <laughs> and they're going to take over what position? Um, I think I'll start off with just merch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, make it simple. He's cute, so we should sell a lot of merch. Now, to describe the music of the Aquing Green as synth pop is really too simplistic. How would you describe your band? Oh, man, you know, the, I, you know, I just think of it as kind of like electronic rock pop, you know, like rocktronic. It's not strictly dance music. You know, that's not at all, actually. You know, it has a lot of you'll hear a lot of those elements in there. But we definitely um, have spent a lot of years learning to integrate a lot of uh, more conventional kind of band elements, you know, into it. And um, but our first love is always the electronics. So I think at its basis, simplest core, you could say synth pop. But I'm, I don't know, maybe it's more like synth rock. You know, I don't know. We'll leave that up to the masses to decide. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Acton Green had its start back in 94. Yeah. That would make you one of the longest running bands in Christian music, or would you even describe yourself as a Christian band? Um, I don't think we really do so much anymore, you know, um, at least when it comes to if you want to say like, you know, if you want to put us in the same line as like the Newsboys and Toby Mac, we're not in that kind of thing, you know, um, we distanced ourselves kind of from the Christian music industry, um, maybe about eight years ago or so. But yeah, you know, I mean, uh, we're all Christians, and um, I think that what we found in all those years of being in the music industry was, you know, we were kind of a little too weird uh, to be mainstream, but not quite weird enough, you know, in some other areas, and it had just enough accessibility to make people kind of confused and not sure how to promote it, you know, and, and we were never really into the idea of writing songs that would fit on like a youth group t-shirt slogan, you know? And so, <laughs> so uh, the big thing for us was always honesty. And we had, we had the natural hurdle of electronic music, which has the stereotype of being um, not very organic or not very human or not very intimate. And so we had that hurdle, which I always welcomed, you know, the challenge of, you know, we write songs first and foremost, and all the fancy sounds and things like that are really an afterthought or, or sometimes they'll come first. But the idea is, can this song stand on its own with just an acoustic? I'd like to think that for most all of our songs, that answer is yes. How much influence does uh, your Christian faith have in your lyrical content? Oh, tons, tons. I would say, you know. Every uh, bit. Yeah, every bit. We just kind of really wanted to step away from the conventional and kind of the luggage associated with what people think Christian music was supposed to be. You know, there's a lot of music you can listen to out there. And nobody sits there and says, oh, well, is that guy Catholic? Does, does that make this Catholic music, you know, or something like that? You know, this whole like you only drink milk from a Christian cow kind of thing, you know, is not we didn't really want to be pigeonholed with that because there's a whole batch of luggage that comes associated with that. So we're a band first and foremost. But since our lyrics and our music comes from a personal place, well, then, of course, that's going to make our faith really just like uh, integrate into every bit of it. 
But we don't feel confined to um, adhere to kind of rules that someone says, oh, well, you have to make a song about this and you have to do this and you have to do that. We're just not really into it. So you're not having to form a song where you're saying Jesus's name every other word? No. I mean, you know, uh, we've done it, but I'd like to think it was way more heartfelt. Like, I don't think of us at all as like a worship band or something like that. You know, the, the music we make is for entertainment, but I love the idea of scratching at the surface. You know, you put it all on your sleeve and right up front, and uh, it just doesn't we feel passionate about presenting the struggle in every song, you know, and to me, that seems honest. Everyone can resonate with going through hard times. And so when you talk about that um, and then you just talk about how you kind of pop through it, um, that's where it, it gets kind of different. So you can find the faith in all the songs, but, you know, there's also room for somebody who doesn't believe the same as us to still resonate with just the sheer honesty of it all. So you really don't have to believe like we believe or think like we think to get something out of songs, you know, and that, and that that's the goal, I think, always. We spoke earlier about the band being formed back in 94. Mm-hmm. So what drives you to keep producing music over this many years? Oh, really good question. Uh, Well, I think probably first off, I try to forget the fact that it's been going since 94. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, yeah, it's really, it can be tough, you know. Um, I've never been this super prolific writer. So I've never had like, there's never been a record uh, of ours to come along where it's like, oh man, we have these 30 songs, let's pick the best 10 and we'll roll with that. You know, um, I, I make use of every song that comes our way because it just doesn't happen that often. So I think that was always the challenge. You know, I, I think I think now um, it's really kind of ironic, but now that we are not um, doing the Echoing Green as our main career, which it was, that's how we were paying the bills. We were touring in a stinky van all over the place, went overseas, you know, and, and our main living was from making the records. And and so transitioning out of that, I think that what happens is, is once you once you cast off the any kind of yoke that says, hey, you have to make this kind of music in order to sell records, uh, what happens is we wound up being really freed up to just kind of make music that we really, uh, really wanted to. And we kind of always did previously as well. I won't say that, you know, um, that our, that any of our records had that kind of influence, but, um, they did a little bit, you know, that was always underneath and undercurrent, you know, because people are making, it has to be a business out of it. So now, um, I think what keeps us going is just the idea that, um, there is no harsh deadline. There is no budget to meet up with. There is no, uh, we're just doing it because we love it and it keeps us sane, you know? And, and, uh, and so I think that's, that's, that's really how we can keep going since since ninety four. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so it sounds like I can literally see somebody somebody who's like you know eighteen to hear that and be like what <laughs> how old are these guys and so um but yes no it's uh, uh we just keep doing it as long as we c- we'll keep getting some good ideas. Um, which doesn't, like I said, doesn't happen super fast. Um, I spend a lot of time working on other records for other people. Um, but, um, you know, the, our last record that we, the, in Scarlet was, you know, a kind of a six year endeavor. So it just goes to show that we're kind of on the slow boat with it, but, um, but everything is, is, is coming out the way we want. Okay. So carrying on with that thought where you said you work with other artists, 
a number of years ago, you did a remix of a Project 86 song, yeah. Something We Can't Be. Yeah. I was really surprised to hear you guys do the remix of that. How did that all come about? Well, you know, uh, we're longtime friends, the both of us, um, with Andrew Schwab and the band Gosh, we've known them since he had that big old afro, right? Like <laughs> he was wearing like basketball First shirts. First year I and, went to Cornerstone. Yeah. 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 And so, um, <laughs> yeah. So we just, we've just known him forever and um, had become friends. And, you know, I think that as electronic music became a little bit more um, kind of, you know, I guess you could say acceptable or, or um, a little bit more in the consciousness of mm-hmm. Of culture, you know, I think that um, Andrew was really hip to the idea of doing a, a, a remix. He wanted something kind of tough and electronic sounding, but still kind of old school, industrial in a way. And they had that EP, which was their chance to kind of, you know, flex some different muscles, so to speak. So, yeah, it worked out. And, you know, I had a long running relationship with Tooth and Nail. Um, I've known Brandon Ebel for a really, really long time and they licensed our winter of our discontent album and distributed it for us. We didn't do it for tooth and nail, but, um, uh, we gave them a completed project and, and they put it out for us, which was really cool. And, um, so it was just kind of one of those things where it just kind of worked, but the deal was mainly with, with Andrew and myself. And so he asked me to do it. And then we, and then we got, um, as I made it, you know, we got tooth and nail involved and they put it out. So, yeah, I've always liked harder music, but I've always liked harder electronic music. You know, some of my favorite artists are just kind of the the tougher, you know, I don't really have those kind of vocals. So I'm always like jealous of that kind of stuff. (laughs) But, you know, I love like Cell Dweller and, you know, Old Circle of Dust and 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 even, you know, um, I love Nine Inch Nails material. You know, obviously the stuff that isn't, you know, horrid, offensive, but um, I like hard music. And if I if I can put an electronic twist in, it makes me happy. But you're not going to turn the Echoing Green into a hardcore band? No, unfortunately, I don't have the screams. I think Chrissy, Chrissy I feels like screaming. Yeah, I might. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think any of us have the scream capability. You know, like, our guitar player, our guitar player good. Johnny, can scream a little bit. But you know, it's not really what it's not really <laughs> what we do. I think I think this last record though, Scarlet was probably the toughest record we've done in the There's sense of screaming on Sanctuary. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. the it's the for us to say it's a hard record doesn't mean it's hard record by someone else's <laughs> standards, but for us, it's the hardest record. By electronic we've done. standards. Yeah. Well, you did because Sanctuary was harder, and then you also did the uh, did the cover of Fold Zandura's uh, King Planet. Yeah. Which is a harder song, mm-hmm. or at least the way you delivered it was a harder. Yeah, song. and then there was um, tracks like uh, Revenge, Battered and Bruised, and Battered and Bruised. It's a darker toned record for sure, or it's a little more contrasty. You know, most of the songs that are darker usually open up into some sort of um, lighter element and then come back full circle. And I really like that. Like The Huntress, for instance, is pretty creepy, tough sounding. And but then it gets um, but then, it, you know, there's this kind of major key thing that comes in and then it goes back. And I love that juxtaposition of of dark and light kind of residing together. Chrissy's getting left on the back burner. Yeah, she's so, right here. She's right here. So Chrissy. I'm always the quiet one. <laughs> she is. <laughs> 
Well, you don't need to be quiet because with a voice like yours, you should be just right <laughs> out the forefront the whole time. I'm here for moral support. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy's fantastic. Chrissy won't won't toot her own horn, but she's um, she's kind of the the real engine behind all the melodies. So Chrissy's not only on the songs where she's not in the forefront singing, she still has her hand in it. You know, um, most of the melodies that I would sing. Um, uh, were crafted by Chrissy. You know, I would get in the ballpark, but then she would, she's the one who would keep it from being predictable and make it kind of unique and awesome. So really the vocal, the vocal arranging and uh, of all those melodies, she's, she does double duty for both me and her on that. Well, Chrissy, how did you get connected with the Echoing Green in the first place? I knew Joey through family friends. Um, we met when I was in eighth grade and, um, I was hanging out with the, some of the band members, actually. Mm-hmm. I loved the music, and I loved the, you know all the people that were, were in and out of the studio all the time. And so I wrote Joey a letter. Um, yeah, you filled in once. We played yeah, this I, festival, I, I and in. we had never had a steady uh, backup vocalist. So um, uh, I would always just kind of find someone who would be willing to hire gun in and just come sing. And so I brought Chrissy out. Um, to we went to Utah together. Yeah, I was terrified. And she and I played had with sheet us music. once, <laughs> and so she was gracious enough to fill in and and come and sing with us. Yeah, and then she wrote me this letter. I had a music stand for that show because I didn't know any of the words. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wrote Joey a letter and expressing my you know my interest in in joining the band. And at that time, the girl who had been filling in moved to Colorado, mm-hmm. and so they needed somebody. And so I hopped on board and been ever since yeah it was when chrissy came along we we she wrote me this you know a a handwritten ink letter and came in the mail (laughs) and she wrote me she wrote me this big this big letter just talked about how um wonderful how how much she loved going out and singing that one time and i thought she had a great voice and she didn't have the the confidence then that she has now I knew that all the talent was there. And so I was really excited to work with her. And we did a song called Thief that um, had her singing the verses on her own and I sang the choruses. And um, that was the first time I ever did anything like that. And that's when it became, hey, she's not just a backup vocalist. You know, this needs to be this give and take, you know. She's a definitely a more prominent part, and it just grew. And I, I dragged her on the road all over the place, and she would um, drive through the night on the van. With you know, she loved to drive, and so she kind of was the the dude of girls. She didn't have to go to the bathroom every ten minutes like we did, <laughs> and so um, she was just a she was a touring you know touring machine. So it, it gelled. We all gelled together really, really well. But, on, yeah. most days, yeah. on most days. On most days. We had our days. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Who was going to get thrown out of the van first? Usually Jesse, our old keyboard player. Yeah. He's the Jesse. first to get voted off the island. Yeah. <laughs> well, he could just kind of be a little pissy in general. And so at the time, so we just. I knew how to push his buttons. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, didn't even, I didn't even like Alanis Morissette that much, but I knew he hated it. So I listened to it. To make him mad is Chrissy's passive-aggressive way to, to show people what's up. I'm, I'm sure you know, taking a road trip with somebody or riding in a vehicle together is the relationship accelerator. Yes. You know, it, it really does. Like you, when you spend that kind of time with somebody, then all of a sudden, you know, you, you could have known someone just for a little bit. And it's as if you had become friends for years. So imagine years of that under our belts. 
and Chrissy truly became my sister, you know, and so it was really um, pretty amazing how our families came together and how um, we're basically related to each other, you know. Yeah, it's cool to have that kind of relationship. A lot of people just kind of assume that Chrissy and I are married, you know, and so um, we always crack up at that. And um, but no, it truly is like a, a brother sister relationship. And um, um, it's 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 pretty awesome. I introduced her to her husband. So that was pretty <laughs> awesome. In the past, you've recorded covers of Safety Dance with from Men Without Hats. Mm-hmm. Now, your latest album, In Scarlet and Vile, you've got included covers of uh, Depeche Mode and Till Tuesday. Yeah. So, what I want to know is, the Echoing Green really a closet new wave band? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, definitely a closet new wave band. You know, we 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 loved. We grew up on um, electronic music, and Chrissy, an old soul, being surrounded by um, older brothers and sisters who all loved Erasure and Duran Duran, and Chrissy's sister actually named her children after Erasure and Duran Duran. Erasure and Duran Duran. <laughs> Yeah. Her their kids aren't her her nephews aren't named Erasure and Duran Duran. One is Vincent Vince Chorus yeah. for Vince Clark, and then Taylor. John Taylor, Taylor lyric for John Taylor. Taylor so Rose, you know, yeah. like she comes from super super um, new wave gene pool, <laughs> and, <Yeah>. and me, <laughs> and me uh, absolutely. So you know that I always enjoyed doing um, the cover tunes, and with this last album though. Within Scarlet, I didn't on the the original ten songs of it um, that saw the iTunes release. Um, I didn't put a single cover tune on that, which it was kind of broke a little bit of tradition. But then it was for the the Bandcamp release of it that we had the bonus uh, tracks, and so we added this extra content for everyone that had waited so long. And we know a lot of people like it when we do it. So, so you're saying that everybody should be going to Bandcamp to pick up the new album. Yeah, that's the best bang for the buck. That's for sure. You know, it's um, you get videos with it. There's quite a few songs on it, um, you know, and it only costs you half the price. So it's it's pretty cool. Give us the contact for the Echoing Green on Bandcamp. Um, it's just echocentral.bandcamp.com. Okay. Yeah. And so and it's mainly just um, that album as well as a free a free remix of Flame that we have up there. And people always like free, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And so the album is only you name your own price and it's a minimum of four ninety nine. You know, so we're asking that you at least kick up five bucks for it, you know, but some people kick up extra, some people, you know, it but we just we just mainly wanted to get it out. But at the same time, it did cost us time and money to make of our own. So we it's always nice to recoup a little bit. Well, we've been talking about in Scarlet and Vile. On that album, what song really meant the most to you? Um, Chrissy, which one for you? My favorite song, that's funny because I didn't sing on it, is Matter. When we were recording it, it had the most emotion and the most meaning to it. And it meant a lot to me, even though Joey wrote it. So, yeah, I think that would be my favorite. Let's Go was a blast to, to write. And it's so much fun to perform that song. I have different favorites for different reasons, but I would say the one that's probably the most emotionally stirring for me would be Away, the, you know, kind of the, the slower song on there. And, and I thought it was, um, it was a challenge to uh, make it uh, intimate at the beginning, but then have it just kind of open up like that. But I thought that that was um, 
that was a real emotional song for me to do. Another emotional song is for me, it might be a tie between Away and Flame, but uh, I would say probably Away. You also included an old favorite. You included Suffer. Yeah, you know, Suffer was the first song we had written since after Winter of Our Discontent, you know, and so it was a single that we put out, but unfortunately we didn't have any of the rest of the album, you know, um, even even conceived yet. And so, um, so that one kind of stuck out there like a sore thumb for a really, really long time. It's definitely the grandfather on the album of the songs, but um, that was a special track as well. Talking about things from the past, back in 2003, you stated that the story of our lives is a song I'm not sure I will ever be able to top, and I don't think I'm going to try. So would you still stick with that opinion today? Probably. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We knew that was special when it happened. It happened pretty quickly. And really, the good songs usually do. The ones that you spend a bunch of time over, you know, and and uh, you mull and you and you're and you're and you're, stru- and you're like, oh, I, back and forth and really just like that are painful uh, to bring forth. Those are the songs that people are like, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good song. But the ones that came together in 20 minutes, you know, were just inspiration struck. It seems like the ones that were so natural and easy to make, those are the ones that seem to always be the biggest and best and and stand the test of time. And, um, you know, that was an inspired moment. I still feel like Story of Our Lives will always be the most special song we have. What about the future of the Aquin Green? Are you going to aim for a 25th anniversary or are you? Oh, my gosh. Don't or you even you look that. beyond that. <laughs> uh, well, something we recently did, which was a lot of fun, was um, we did an acoustic set. And uh, we were asked to play a couple different times in a setting that wasn't we weren't really used to. And so... Oh, oh my gosh. Poor dude. Joey, you talked about not having a screamer for the band. Yeah, we, yeah, we might him. have this him. Could we be found it. him. We might have him. But yeah, we um, we did our songs unplugged, sort of. It was more raw without any um, tracks, you know, and so everything was, there was still electronics, but... Um, there were live, like live it was all, electronic. It was really intimidating because I had a lot to concentrate on because there's a lot of parts going on. And for me to have to try to sing and as well as uh, fire off all these different electronic elements was really a challenge. Um, but it was it was really, really fun. So um, we do stuff like that. And I think that I'd, I'd like to do a project kind of like that. I have quite a few side projects brewing and that Chrissy and I, by default, are just kind of both involved in. And um, right now, my attention has been on a side project called Pristina, which is kind of a, a, a pepped up. It used to be chilled out, but now it's a little bit more pepped up more electronic kind of um, act, I guess you could say, but I don't do any vocals. It's all female vocals and it's different vocalists. So it's always featuring someone else, you know? And so Chrissy's done songs for it. We've, uh, and a bunch of different vocalists have done. So I've been, I've been doing that. Um, We've been working on that. And Chrissy and I are about 60% done on um, one B-side kind of track. So we have this EP that's kind of ready to roll and it's basically um, the bonus tracks that were on the in the special edition of In Scarlet and Vile, as well as um, some remixes, and we're throwing in one extra track, and, that, and that's for more mass consumption to put on iTunes and Amazon because those, that only had a ten-song version of the album. So, uh, so that's called um, 
uh, what's it called again? It has a really cool name. What did we call it? I don't remember. Something about thieves. Good Lord. (laughs) Here's why it's tricky to remember. Here's yeah, we can't ever remember anything. I can't ever remember lyrics on stage. I can't remember anything. But um, Recanted Thieves is the name of the EP we're about to put out. And the reason it's hard to remember is because all the letters of those two words, Recanted Thieves, um, it's an anagram for in scarlet and vile. Oh, my yeah, so so the idea is that this is really just like a, an extension of that album, you know, with a with a few extras. So it's just a little kind of bonus project. So we have a song that we're almost done with for that, and uh, obviously, you know, family things come up, life things come up. So um, Chrissy uh, uh, was busy whipping out a kid, <laughs> and um, so that kind of puts. Um, uh, you know, we work on some other things, but we always come back to it and um, we'll start, you know, we'll start recording again. But, you know, it just has to happen. You know, it just has to happen. This we still feel like in Scarlet and Vile is our current release. You know, it, it's we don't have the promotional machine behind it to uh, to make it that, that that maybe we had in the past with with labels and things like that. So um, so for us. Um, it's, uh, we feel like the record still has mileage and has really only been heard by a couple people. You know, the, in Scarlet and Vile was different for us in the sense, um, so can you go into more detail about the song Battered and Bruised, which is on the new album on In Scarlet and Vile? Battered and Bruised is a mad song. <laughs> mad song. yeah. Well, you know what it, was, it used to be? We used to listen to that song. Yeah, that's actually one of the bonus cover tunes. That's actually was originally by a band called State Machine. And uh, that one we recorded at Chrissy's request. Yes. I used to love that song. Mm -hmm. But then the song just came into its own for me through some of my personal experiences. And so I I felt like that was an emotional release for me because I don't normally get, you know, I don't. I'm not a screamer. You've kind of always loved mad songs. Like you love like the angry, like I'm ticked at you songs. Yeah. Haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. So that was just nice. So is is this because you're angry yourself deep down inside? (laughs) No, I I because she's not. It's just something I'm normally not. So it's nice to be able to. She gets to be in that five minute space. But that song is amazing. It was just really fun to, to do our own expression of that song. I was going to say, Chrissy, I have to ask you specifically about this song because you're going through this right now. What about Cry Baby? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that was a cover. So no, we didn't break that, our well, s- sort of. It was written by our keyboard player, our former keyboard player, Jesse. It never really saw a release, so it was kind of more like... Um, he gifted it to us. Yes. <laughs> you know how some people will write for your record, you know? So... For us, it, it felt like it still kind of came from the family, you know, that it wasn't like mm-hmm. um, uh, So he had um, a band that was just kind of an indie thing that, like I said, that never really got released. And he had this song that he had written that I that I loved. And we asked him permission, hey, would you be hip to kind of contributing that to us and let us uh, let us put it on the record? And he was like totally cool about it. That song was especially fun because four of our current band members got to sing, play, we all had a part in that song where sometimes someone, you know, just won't have a part in a song just by default because we don't. Not every song has live drums, right. for instance, you know, and so. Um, so well, he's still consulting on the drums, but he doesn't necessarily get to play those drums live. And so that song, each of us got 
mm-hmm. a piece of it. Our guitar player got a little bit of singing in on that one. Yeah. And, and yep, and that's basically you know just a song about. Um, if you can envision like a a, a really uh, just kind of stupid emo kid who wants to be a rock star who thinks that their sadness is um, that everyone's interested, <laughs> and so so it was just the whole idea of wow, aren't you putting your emotional struggle on your sleeve like that, being such a crybaby? You know, you're really just doing it as a, for attention, and uh, so it was really this tongue in cheek. Um, kind of a, a way to to talk about that because you see that in popular music all the time. You know, people that are just shallowly heartbroken. You know, there's really no substance to their tragedy. You know, it really is just doing it uh, just for the sake of of kind of crying about it. You know, and so that was our kind of uh, angry slap at pop music and music like that. And uh, uh, so that's why the you hear like a little bit of auto tune in the voices uh, on the verses, I mean, and that was totally on purpose, you know, and so just to kind of uh, kind of poke fun at that that whole thing. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was that was mean too, but yeah. No, we, you know, it sounds mean, but it's like fun mean, you know. It wasn't really like about, you know, trashing someone in in specific so much as just like a whole just trashing a stereotype, you know. Here's way off topic. Why is it that Christians aren't allowed to be critical of music? They're not allowed to be critical of other Christians' output. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's brutal. It's really rough. Like I said, I think that the intention um, behind it somehow is supposed to afford you some sort of excuse or get out of jail free card to make subpar music. And so, um, like I said, it you know, just said, uh, well, you know, he means like this and you can't make fun of that because, you know, they're doing it for this and it's for this great cause. And it's like, you know, I don't think um, the Lord feels like you're helping him with that crappy song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, you know, and I can be the same. I have plenty of songs that I look back at that I feel now are super horrible. But yeah, no, you're right. You can't. And so I'm allowed to make fun of my own songs, but as soon as I, uh, which I wouldn't do just out of proper respect and manners, you know, but, but yeah, you're right. You can't, it seems like you're not allowed to hate anything when, it, when there's a whole taste side of it, you know, uh, some people like cherry soda, some people don't, and it's not bad. It's not good, but it's, it's, it's okay to say, ugh, I can't stand all that screaming. It drives me crazy. Or you could say, ugh, that sounds way too pop and uh, just cheese, you know, and it's okay. I think it's totally cool to have those kind of opinions and ruffle some feathers and make some good discourse once in a while, you know. I didn't I didn't really get too much flack, but you could I got a lot of questions, which I, which I wasn't afraid to field. And with this album, there was a lot of people that maybe didn't see the typical um, kind of uh, positive, happy, you know, kind of Christian overtones. In. And, and so the, so I would get asked, you know, what's with this darker vibe or what does this song mean or what what's up with this, you know, and. And Scarlet and Vile, uh, we dabbled with it in on the Winter of Our Discontent, the album before that. But in Scarlet and Vile was really kind of the first conscious attempt to not um, always, you know, uh, all of the all of our songs previously pretty much had the same theme. It was me coming from a place of my personal past and things like that. And and we were just trying to find a lot of different ways to say the same thing. And this was the really, I think, the first time where where Chrissy and I kind of buckled down and and it was like, well, I'd like to 
um, write about someone else's story. I'd like to put myself in somebody else's shoes. How would I deal with this situation of somebody who is going through this? So while they have a personal spin on it, um, not all the songs were coming from my personal experience. They were coming from, you know, friends and people that I've seen struggle and, and just a, from a real uh, empathetic side, actually, you know, of trying to just see how the other half lives and, and figure out why and, and what would I do if I was that and when what's happening with this. And so, so the songs came out on the outset, maybe a little bit darker in tone because it presents um, some hard times. And we're sometimes singing in first person about it, you know, and so it sounds like a not very hopeful. But I think where the if you scratch the surface on it, you really find that, um, you know, a, a pastor, a really great friend of mine told me once, he said, you know, it's not that we don't struggle. It's that we want to struggle together. Everyone is struggling and, and struggle fits us all. And we wear it all like a different glove and sin fits us all like a different glove. And, and, and the fact that we're all born into it, that means something different for all of us. We all have different propensities for destructive behaviors. We all have things that, that we embrace that hurt us. And so uh, I think that the idea was, you know, with a lot of that stuff is to say, yeah, you know, uh, you are struggling. I am struggling. And we're going to show you that we're doing it together. And just by getting some company, you find that you're leaning on each other and you're supporting each other. And so that really would be the undercurrent of the songs that you hear those struggles presented is totally coming from a place of wanting to come alongside the, the person who has the story. That was a great answer. Thanks, man. Joey, Chrissy, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate this. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with the antidote about the echoing green. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much, David. You have a good evening, all right? Thank you. Maybe yeah. we'll get up to Canada at some point. <laughs>